In this episode of Great Practices, I'm talking with Dan Huber, an experienced practice manager with a history of working in the software industry for decades. Listen in as Dan talks about his recent passion, artificial intelligence. You'll get a better understanding of what AI is, that you've probably been using it longer than you think, the pros and cons of AI, and what you can do now as a project manager to use this new and exciting tool. Plus, we'll discuss the age-old question, is technology going to take my project management job, and why AI has a bit further to go before it starts knocking on your office door. It's hard to say when something is a best practice, but it's much easier to know when something is a great practice. And that's what this podcast is all about. Interviews with PMO and project management leaders who, through years of trial and error, have discovered their own great practices and are now sharing their insights with you. Now, sit back and enjoy the conversation as Chris Kopp uncovers another great practice in this episode. Well, we'd like to welcome you to this episode of Great Practices. And if you've been on LinkedIn, listened to a business podcast, attended any staff meeting at work, uh, or pretty much been anywhere other than hiding under a rock, you're going to know that the letters AI are way more than just two vowels you can pick up on the Wheel of Fortune. Artificial intelligence has taken the world by storm recently with the advent of ChatGPT and Google and Microsoft quickly catching up. Takes a little bit to get used to, you know, when you first use it. I know my experience was, um, how is this any different than just asking Google a question? But it doesn't take long before the light bulb goes off on how powerful this new tool is. But what impact is AI going to have on PMOs and project managers? Is this something we should be scared of or embraced? And what can we do to make the most out of this powerful new tool? Well, that's what we're going to be talking to uh, our guest today about, Dan Huber. And Dan has worked in the education and training space at Manhattan Associates for nearly the past 12 years and has managed his share of projects. Recently, he's glommed on to AI and how we can make the most of it in our professional lives. So, Dan, welcome to Great Practices. Chris, thank you. It's great to be here. Uh, Great to be on with you and your audience at Great Practices and, and excited to talk to you about the world of AI as I know it. Well, we're looking forward to getting your insight into that. So let's first start off with just telling us a little bit about yourself and what you do. Well, Chris, as you indicated, I, I would consider myself a learning and development professional. I've spent the last 30 years in, in that space. And I've, yeah. over the course of that time, lived the entire life cycle of learning and development. Program management, curriculum development, content development, delivery, skill gap analysis, all of the elements of of the learning cycle I I have experience in. And the one underlying component of all those is project management, right? They're all based on projects. You're trying to accomplish something, you're trying to get somewhere. So everything that I've done over the last 30 plus years, starting way back with IBM, has been in the learning space, but the underlying component is always project management. So recently, I guess recently, the AI bug has basically bit you. So how are you seeing AI beginning to creep into into all of our lives, whether it's personally, professionally, whatever that is? 
Well, the first thing we got to look at, Chris, is just what is AI, right? It, it's that term that's sitting out there. Everybody's latching onto it. Yeah. But it's really in its simplest form is simply the ability or the, the capability to leverage computers and technology with machines to mimic the problem solving and decision making capabilities of the human mind. And it's all based on large amounts of data and mathematical algorithms. And, and you, you use AI every day and probably don't even re- realize it. So, Chris, I'm going to ask you a question. Do you have a smartphone? I do. Do you text? I do. And when you text, do you have autocorrect turned on? <laughs> I do. Autocorrect is an AI function. Right? So you use it and probably don't even know it. Have you ever used Google Maps to, 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 find, yep. to go somewhere? That's yep. an AI application. Social media. Do you have a personal assistant at home? Siri, Alexa, Cortana. All those are AI applications. So they, we're using this, these in our everyday lives and don't even realize it. That, that right. is a good point. And the reason I laughed is because the autocorrect many times send out uh, messages I don't want to send out. <laughs> so, we, so there's a little bit of learning to be done there, right? <laughs> correct. We've, we've all seen that autocorrect where uh, it doesn't exactly correct to what we thought it was going to be. So, yeah. yeah, I think everybody's experienced that at one time or another. No, but that that really that, that, that does keep it that makes it very real because we are already using AI. It's been around for much longer than we probably thought. Right. Well, yeah, AI has been around for, you know, theoretically, AI has been around for centuries. Socrates and, 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 and Michelangelo and all those people had AI concepts, you know, way back in the early ages. Uh, but the modern AI that we consider today really came about in the 40s and 50s, hmm. right? So it's a lot older than you, you might think it is. Um, there were scientists back then, you know, at, at MIT and Stanford and a, a lot of foreign scientists were trying to figure out how to use existing technological advancements and, and the ability to bring machines and organic beings together. That was kind of the origin of AI, right? How can I get machines to think or act more like humans? Uh, you know, they, they wanted to replicate that decision-making and thinking process that, that humans make. Kind of sounds a little bit, uh, sounds a little bit terrifying it <laughs> when you, when you put it that way, you know, it, 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 it is. But the other thing you have to realize is, is the limitations that were there. Yeah. Right. So machines, uh, computer programs, they lack emotion, they lack beliefs, they don't have context necessarily. And they don't have a lot of social experience. So those are the human characteristics that come to play when you're making these type of decisions. Where AI is very powerful is taking large amounts of data and assimilating that data, analyzing that data, interpreting that data, and spitting out some type of answer. It can do it much faster than the human mind can can calculate all those things. And that's where the real value in AI, I think, comes in. It's not going to, you know, and, and I know we're going to get into the discussion a little bit in a, in a few minutes, Chris, but, it, you know, I don't think there's a fear that it's going to replace humans because currently AI cannot, it, it's not an active component, right? I can use it to help me design a project, to set up a project, to, to yep. prioritize projects, but it still can't execute the project, Right. I still need humans to actually do the work. 
So, so it is a little fearful, but I, I don't think it's, you know, we haven't got to the, the 2001 space odyssey where Hal's going to take over the world and, and, and hijack our spaceship and, and, and run our lives for us yet. Well, I'm sure that brings great comfort to many of us then. So, so what do you think, you know, based upon what you're seeing, what do you think that the short-term impact um, of AI is going to be both positive and negative, you know, for, for, for disciplines such as training and project management? What do you think that's going to be? Well, it's interesting if you look at it, Chris. He, here are some things that I think will, will very much surprise you. That last year, recent studies show that last year there was $48 trillion, that's trillion with a T, invested in projects worldwide. And only 35%, just over a third of those projects were actually completed successfully. So as a project manager, it tells us that we need a lot of help. Yes. Right. And that's where AI can come in. Right. In the short term, uh, the applications that are out there now can help us do things like prioritizing projects, which which, you know, everybody's working on more than one project at a time. So which one of these projects is going to give me the best return? Which one of these projects is going to be provide the best benefit for my company or my client? AI can analyze those things. It can it can take the information that's presented. It can take the data that's available, and it can quickly prioritize those. Uh, it can help us monitor progress and report very easily and efficiently. One of the basic components of any project is the testing process. Yeah, I, I've always got to test my hypotheses. I've always got to test to make sure that I'm staying on track. AI can help speed up those testing procedures. So there's a lot of things it can do to help us be better project managers. But the one thing that I think you'll notice there when I talk about all those things is a lot of those things are administrative in nature. Right. Right. So they're taking some of the mundane things that as a project manager, I currently have to do and providing information that allows me to be better, more efficient. It allows me to optimize my project process. And then as a project manager, my role evolves away from being a project administrator, task organizer, into more of a coaching role, uh, coaching my employees and my stakeholders, um, building effective, agile teams, and it becomes more of a human role as opposed to an administrative role. No, that's really, that's good. I mean, you're pushing down that, that basic work to that lowest level possible and allows you to focus on those, you know, those higher interactions and conversations and where you're saying, you know, uh, interpretation and discretion and judgment, all those types of things are needed. It frees you up to do more of that. That's, that's, that's good. Now, is there any is there any is there any like um, negative like what would you see the negative or downside uh, of maybe the short term impacts with AI right now? You know, Chris, to be honest, I, I don't think there are a lot of downsides, right? I think when if you if your organization or you as an individual starts to adapt and adopt some of these AI tools that are out there and some of these AI initiatives, it really makes us better, more efficient at what we're doing. Yeah. which is not a bad thing, right? That's a good thing. Um, it takes away some of the mundane tasks, repetitive type tasks that we get bogged down in a lot of times. 
that that aren't really necessarily they're 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 necessary, but they're not real productive tasks. Right. right? My resource assignment and and my my uh, my task dependencies and my time frames and all those kind of things. Right. Creating my Gantt charts and, and all those kind of things. Those can be quickly and easily done with AI type tools. Got it. So here here's a simple analogy that I will that I will give you. So I'm working on a project and I say, you know, I'm, I'm using some AI technology and I come along and I say, um, I need you to schedule John to paint the wall next week. And I need you to allocate him full time to that. And as soon as I put that question to the to the application, the AI application, it's going to come back with something like based on previous tasks John is already assigned to. It's going to take him two weeks until he can start that project, and it's going to take him five days to do it. Do you want me to reassign him? Right. So that comes back to me in a matter of seconds, Right. where previously I might have had to pull up my Gantt chart. I need to filter by my resources, so I find John. I find all the related tasks that John is doing. I see what their dependencies are, start, finish, start, finish, finish, start, whatever my dependencies are. Yep. And then I look at that and say, oh, well, John's tied up for the next 25 days, so I can't have him paint the wall right now. But that might take me 30, 45 minutes or an hour to, to assimilate, assimilate and, and process all that data. Yeah. Where, you know, this application, and this is something called PM Auto, right? This is a, it's a project management tool. It's called PM Auto. That was an example that I just gave you. Um, but yeah, HIT, HIT gives me that answer in a, in a matter of minutes, seconds probably. So to to go you know to go back to your 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 earlier comment you know about even referencing whether people should be scared of AI taking their jobs, um, I'll ask you that question: Should you know project managers should uh, PMO leaders be scared of AI taking their jobs? I don't think they should. Um, I think what they should be scared of. Or what they should be aware of. I'm not going to use the word scared because I think it's it, that's a little little harsh. But I think they need to be aware of how their job would change. Okay. Right. The, the again, like we talked about, the focus for for PMs in the future is going to be on the human interactions. Right. It's not going to be on the administrative tasks. It's not going to be on on creating tasks. It's not going to be on prioritizing projects. It's not going to be on scoping projects. Because those can be done for me now. Where I'm going to focus my time is on identifying the technological skills of my team, identifying the skill gaps, and bringing them up to speed with the technology. Uh, and, and my whole focus is going to be on creating high-performing teams now that can accomplish the project, as opposed to some of the other tasks that I was I was bogged down with previously. So I don't think you should really be scared. Uh, I think the other component that you need to understand is kind of where AI is now and and where it's going, yeah. Um, and and what the limitations might be. So so right now there's really kind of two types of AI that are out there. Uh, one is called reactive AI, and, and this is just it doesn't have any memory, so it doesn't store any data, but it's it focuses on a single set, a single scenario. And then it takes that input and reacts as best as possible to the data and the algorithms that are out there, right? So it's 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 this John question, right? Can John paint the wall tomorrow? Well, no. Based on all the information I have, 
he can't paint the wall tomorrow because he's got five other things he's already doing. Yeah. Right. So it's, it's a real simple kind of thing. It's a, it's a, it's what Google maps does, right? It, I put in a, a starting point, I put in a destination and it takes location information. It takes traffic patterns. It takes, you know, the types of roads that are out there, highways, toll roads, whatever. Um, it takes the time of day and it takes all that data and it spits out a route for me, the best route possible based on what, what information it has. So it's kind of a very simple type of type of AI. And then you get into, uh, it, it kind of advances to the next level, which is what they consider limited memory AI. Okay. And that type of application will store some data. So it will store past experiences for a short term. So it's kind of a short term memory. And it will use that memory and act on it for future sets of information. So I think that the best inf- the best example you can have of that is, is like a self-driving car, right? It stores the speed of other, other cars. It stores the distance between you and, and cars in front of you. It, in, it stores the speed limits of the road you're on. And then based on all that information plus other information, it can navigate the road. Yep. Right. So, so that's kind of an application of what we call limited memory AI. And then you get into some of the theoretical stuff. You get into this, um, you know, they, they call it a theory of mind AI. And this is where machines start to understand emotions and understand people. And they introduce beliefs into it. And it can start to interact socially with you. Right. Not there yet. That doesn't exist yet. Those, those are some of the future things. That's where it might start to get a little scary, Chris, yeah. to be honest that, with you. That, right? that, that's like, a, you know, like data on Star Trek kind of deal, right? Correct. Correct. <laughs> you know, those types and, of things. And then you get to the highest level, which is what they call self-awareness. And, and that's, that's very hypothetical at this point. But that's where the machines and the technology will have its own intelligence. It will introduce its own consciousness and feelings and social aspects into it where it can really start to then, um, you know, interpret all this stuff and really start to act very human like, yeah, not there yet. It's very hypothetical. The technology is not there, but you know, those future States are where it does get a little bit scary. I want to go back to when you were talking about, you know, should we be scared about AI taking their jobs? You know, I listened to, uh, an accounting podcast. I know it sounds fascinating and thrilling. It actually is. She does a good job. Um, it's Shannon Weinstein, if anybody is looking for an accounting podcast. But one of the points that she was bringing in, she had an episode on AI. And the point was that calculators were going to take away accountants' jobs, you know, when they were first introduced. And then Excel was going to take away accountants' jobs when it was first introduced. And, you know, now AI is going to take away accountants' jobs now that it's introduced. So everybody's always concerned and scared of this. But she had the exact same point that you did was, no, just let it do this lower level stuff. Use it as a tool. And then that allows you to focus on strategy or, you know, in her case, you know, doing more CFO type work or, or, or tax preparation, that kind of stuff, you know? So that's really the point that you're bringing out too, is, is just, you got to understand that it's going to free you up to do, you know, to do higher, higher things. So that, that brings me up to my next question then is what, what skills or competencies uh, do project managers need to develop to effectively leverage these AI technologies then? What should they be doing now? Well, I, I think, Chris, one of the main things you have to do is is 
and it's not really necessarily a comp. It, it is a competency, but you have to embrace the technology, right? You can't be you can't be afraid of the technology. So that's the first thing you have to kind of do is open your mind to embrace the technology, and then once once it's there, utilize it the way it's designed, right? Don't try to force a square peg into a round hole. It's just as you mentioned. You know, we started with autocorrect, and we thought, oh, if if I have autocorrect, then I don't need spelling teachers in school anymore. Well, that never right. happened, right? I would argue that autocorrect has made us all worse spellers over time, right? Because we don't have to spell anymore, but it it didn't eliminate English teachers in the schools. So, so embrace the technology would be the first thing I would say, and then understand how it fits into your, into your organization or your role. Uh, And then you get down into the, into kind of the critical aspects of it, the, the, the granular aspects of it of saying, okay, if I want to interact with some of these tools, I need to learn the language, right? And, it, and it, it's, it's not programming language, right? I don't need to know Java or C plus or HTML5 or anything, but I need to learn how to communicate with the, the application. And there are certain ways to ask the question. There are certain um, uh, terms and, 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 and uh, words you can use to get better results, uh, can you, can you share, can you share some insight into that? Like just what, what would be some suggestions on how to better utilize AI, like so, structuring your questions and that type of thing? So th- this is, this is a very simplistic, uh, type of, type of scenario, Chris, but, but I think it'll, it'll bring the point across. So let's say I am, I am trying to build a car and I, I open up my application and I type in there give me designs for a Ford Mustang, right? And so it's going to come back and it's going to give me how to, you know, the, the blueprints for a Ford Mustang. But then I have to say, uh, okay, make it a five-speed manual transmission. Because again, there's no context, there's no interpretive ability of the application to know what I'm thinking. Right. right. So I have to be very specific in what I tell it. And then I'm going to say, oh, and add a 350 Hemi engine into it. Right. And and make this I, I want to build this in three weeks. Right. And then, you know, so so I, I have to keep building on what I'm putting in there. Uh, then I might come back and say, oh, OK, based on the design that I have right now, what tools will I need to build this car? what parts will I need? You know, so I can, I can continue to refine my, my questions and it's going to build on what was already there. So, you know, and and I could, you know, hopefully you could, you could expand that analogy into a, a more practical project, but it's, it's, it's really understand exactly what it is that I'm trying to accomplish and then explain that to the application. And, you know, I think, I think that's, that was my big realization recently. Again, when I started, I was like, oh, well, it's just like Google. I'm just asking a question and it just spits me out. It spits me out an answer. I'm like, how is this any different than Google? But then like, so I'll be writing blog articles every now and then and that type of thing. And I was like, okay, well, just give me some ideas for this, you know? And then to your point, oh, that was too complicated or it was too vague or whatever. And I said, refine this or, you know, I want this instead of that. And then it comes back and it'll apologize to me 
Yeah. <laughs> and then and then it'll say, okay, well, how about this? And then it gets closer and closer. So I think that is the key that I've really taken away is like it is that constant refinement and filtering down that it learns, right? So that answer is yeah. not out there in that in that pure form. It will get there eventually, right? That's kind of what's happening. Co- correct. And and my 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 practical examples are some of the same things you you've done, Chris, is I've I'm I'm writing an essay. And, yeah. and I'll say, here's the premise of my essay. And it'll, it'll spit out a paragraph worth of information. And then I'll go back and say, um, use a softer tone or don't exactly. use three syllable words. So then it'll rewrite that whole paragraph with those, with those parameters. And then I could say, you know, my audience is high school juniors. So then it'll yeah. rewrite it again to, you know, to, 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 appeal to that, that audience. So I can continue to refine what I'm saying based on what's already there. And it doesn't do away with what's there. It just takes what I already have and tweaks it and refines it. And, and till you finally get it to where you want it to be. And then you go on to the next, next paragraph or the next phase of your blog or your essay or your, you know, your resume or whatever it is that you're putting together. Yeah. And I think, I think that's it. I think the principle is there. I think we're touching, you know, it's just the tip of the iceberg, but you know, I think we just absolutely can see the potential of where this is going to go, even as it relates to projects then. So what are some, what are some of the, the AI tools that are available? Do you have a favorite one that you use? Why, what, what does that look like? You know, the big trending tool right now that everybody's hearing about is chat GPT, um, which, which is a, a, a great tool for, for writing, as you mentioned, blogs and essays and resumes and things like that. Uh, and it's interesting when you look at it, Chris, because the tools are really kind of broken down by business sectors, right? I can go in and I can find marketing. If I look under marketing, I can find a whole batch of marketing tools. Some things, that there's there's one that I've, I'm familiar with. It is, it's called Moonbeam, Moonbeam. Uh, it, it, it's, it's kind of an AI assistance for similar what we talked about for writing essays and stories and blogs and things like that. Um, if you go into look under business categories, there's, there's one that I've, I'm touched on a little bit called magic form. And that's just an AI tool that converts. You can take any, it'll analyze any visitor that's come to your company's website and, and bring you back information, how to convert that visitor into an active customer. Wow. Right, gives you suggestions and feedback how to convert it into a customer. Um, you know, if you get into project management, which is our our main topic today on great practices, there's there's something called Proof Hub, right? Proof Hub is just an it's an agile project management task management type of tool, right? That allow you to easily and quickly, you know, you say, oh, I want to create a, I need a project on how to write software for you know, what X, and it'll give right. you all the tasks that are associated with, with project X. Um, uh, Trello is another one in the project management world. Trello is a, um, it, it allows you to prioritize and plan projects, right? So it gives you some of that capabilities to prioritize and plan projects. Uh, I think another one, you know, a, a company called, there, there's one called ClickUp, which is really kind of a task management, task project type AI. So I can look at it and I can see, you know, hey, on today's date, where I, where am I in my project? What's left to complete? 
what's, you know, how, what progress have I put into my project? Um, it gives me some reporting capabilities so I can report milestones out and, and, and those kind of things. Yeah. So it's not what it sounds like to me. It's, it sounds like almost a little bit of the wild, wild west out there right now is everybody's just jumping on this bandwagon, trying to figure it out. And, and there will be some clear leaders that are going to come out of this, but it's a little it's all over the map right now is what it sounds like. It is. Um, you know, there's a lot of different people doing a lot of different stuff. I think once once it all once the dust settles, yeah. you'll, you'll see the big players. You'll see, you know, Microsoft, you'll see Facebook, you'll see, you know, uh, Twitter, those type of, you know, the, the Elon Musk of the world will, yeah. will be the ones that will come out with probably the best products. But uh, yeah, there's a lot of stuff out there now. You could you could Google, you know, AI tools for project management and they'll come up with 25 different tools to use. Easily. And and yeah. a lot of them are, are specific to certain project management functions, right? Is it prioritization? Is it task management? Is it task creation? Is it resource management? So they all kind of have a little niche that, that you yeah. know, a certain aspect of the project that they fit into. So is there anything else, Dan, you know, based upon what we covered today that you'd like to share with us that we didn't get a chance to cover? Uh, I think this is going to continue. AI is going to continue to evolve. You're going to see more and more things in your everyday life that you don't even realize are AI. And they're just things that make life easier. Right? They make they make jobs easier. They make tasks easier. They take some of the mundane things that we don't really like to do as project management professionals. Yep. And it simplifies those and optimizes those so that I can focus on things that are more holistic, more humanistic. Um, you know, those type of things that that uh, that really bring more value to the project. And, and I think that's why, based on our previous discussion, we really don't need to be afraid of AI. Right. Because at, at this point in time, it doesn't do any of those things. It doesn't bring the human aspect to the to the forefront. Right. It's, it's yeah. all the number crunching. It's all the it's all the you know, the granular number crunching and analytics that are going on in the background that it does so well. And that's that's where it can really help us. Absolutely. So, Dan, what's the best way for people to reach you if they just love AI and talking about AI and just want to compare notes with you? What's what's the best way for them to get a hold of you? Uh, I, I'm on LinkedIn. They can look up my LinkedIn profile or they can they can they can email me at dhuber underscore ss at hotmail.com is my personal email address would be the best way to get in touch with me. Um, but yeah, you know, I, I would love to, to explore this further. I'm sure there's people out there that know a lot more about it than I do. And I would love to talk to you about that and get your ideas and pick your brain on it. Uh, so that would probably be the easiest way to, to track me down. Okay. Well, sounds good. Well, we really appreciate you jumping on today and, uh, sharing your insights and we can absolutely tell you're very passionate about this. So we look forward to, you know, seeing where this goes and, and hopefully it doesn't uh, replace podcasts, hosts and guests anytime <laughs> soon. Right. <laughs> well, yeah, Chris, I don't think that's going to happen. I think it would have a hard time replacing you as a host. So uh, I appreciate your time today and, and, and best of luck with your great practices. All right. Thanks, Dan. Thank you. Well, that was another great conversation on great practices, and we really appreciate Dan being on today. Uh, so what were some of these insights that Dan shared with us when it came to artificial intelligence and really the future of project management? 
Now, we've all been using AI perhaps a little longer than we thought. It gave the example of autocorrect, uh, of Alexa or Google or any of these other smart assistants. It's really a form of AI, isn't it, uh, when it comes to how we're using that in our lives already. But then it shifted towards the short-term impact of AI when it comes to our jobs and to project management. And I like the point that he brought out, the fact that you know, at this point right now, what AI is doing is it's allowing project managers, PMO leaders to get away from some of the, maybe the administrivia, some of those tactical uh, activities that they would spend unnecessary time on or takes time to do. Turn that over to AI, you know, let that figure out some of the scheduling and let that figure out some of the, the resource constraints and that type of thing, then allowing you to focus more on coaching or relationship building, uh, more agile roles or spending more time with people uh, and letting the AI do the behind the scenes work. So I think that concept is uh, pretty interesting when it comes to how that can help us as project managers. The age-old question of should you be scared of AI taking your project management job? And I've been hearing that. It's, should it, it's, are they going to be scared of taking my accounting job? Are they going to be scared of taking my marketing job? Are they going to be scared of taking whatever job it is that you do? Uh, you know, we're hearing that across many different industries. So should we be scared? Well, I liked his point. He says, no, we shouldn't be scared. But what we should be aware of is how our jobs are going to change. Again, focusing less on the administration side of project management and more on the human elements. That brought up his next point about, well, what can you do right now then as a project manager? Because it's not going to go away. You know, every day it's getting more and more entrenched when more and more advanced when it comes to AI. Uh, what should you be doing now? And he said, it really has to do with your mindset. Embrace the technology. Don't be afraid of it. Uh, utilize it in the way in which it's designed, learn how to communicate with whatever application it is that you're using, you know, whether it's chat GPT or whether it's uh, a program or application that's designed for whatever industry you're in, project management. He gave a good couple of examples of applications that could be used uh, with AI in project management and really focus on how to use that application. And a lot of it, again, from my experience, and I, I'm certainly no expert, but the way I've been using it is just really progressive elaboration. You put in an idea or you ask for something and it's going to come back with an outline or somewhere to start. And then you can just continue to refine that down until it gets you exactly what you need. Some of the tools he talked about was ChatGPT. Everybody knows about that. And then you've got these applications that are broken down by business sectors. And there's a lot of good, I've seen a lot of good posts on LinkedIn. I mean, it's just too numerous to mention. But if you just go out there and you search for uh, various tools or even tips and tricks when it comes to using AI, you'll be amazed at what's out there already and uh, certainly how you can make the most of this powerful tool. So again, we'd like to thank Dan for being on today and taking time out of his schedule to come on Great Practices. And do you have a great practice that you'd like to share, something that you're passionate about talking about uh, as it relates to project managers and PMO leaders? Well, go to the pmoleader.com, click on Explore, Great Practices Podcast, and fill out the form at the bottom of the screen. Someone will get in touch with you shortly. 
Also, be sure not to miss an episode by subscribing to Great Practices on your favorite podcast platform. And uh, if you like what you've heard, we've had a lot of great guests on. Be sure to share this with your manager, your colleagues, uh, and any others that you think would benefit. Thanks again for listening to this episode and keep putting great practices into practice.